Live from Mexico City, this is The Late Late Show with Rich Wrigley. Good evening, welcome to The Late Late Show with me, Rich Wrigley. I hope you can hear me okay, and I hope the audio is not too bad. My neighbors have decided right now to do some building work on The Late Late Show, so that's great. Anyway, we're going to be talking tonight about anything that you fancy. Please text in, and I'll look forward to hearing from you on The Late Late Show with me, Rich Wrigley. Live from Mexico City, this is The Late Late Show with Rich Wrigley on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the Late Late Show with me, Rich Wrigley. I hope we've got a great line. Show, we've got a great show lined up for you this evening. We're going to be talking about the last weeks of term, what you can do to motivate your students, what you can do to motivate yourselves, and pretty much everything in between. But as is a custom right now, I'm probably going to give you the latest update of things that are happening here in Mexico and Mexico City in particular, and how things are going this side of the pandemic. So at the moment, things seem to be fine. Um, we are currently like in our lowest tier of lockdowns, the Omicron variant. Why do they name it the Omicron variant? I have to ask that. Like, I mean, like, I think everyone's made that joke that it sounds like a Transformer villain or something like that. But geez, they, they really could have picked a better Greek letter of the alphabet. Anyway, so everything seems to be pretty much fine here. We're actually at the highest vaccination rate in Mexico City. 97% of uh, adults over 18 have had at least their first dose of the vaccine um, as well they have also started vaccinating 15 year olds to 18 year olds with their first doses of Pfizer that's just in Mexico City but when you think that Mexico City has a population of 20 million I think is the rough estimate um, it is an incredible achievement I mean bearing in mind that's practically a third of the UK and we're already, I think, overall at about 60%, everyone having a like being vaccinated across the country of 120 million people. So that's pretty decent. I think we're all pretty happy about that. Um, and that means that the schools have still been open. Public schools, as in public schools in the proper term of public schools, not uh, private schools in the UK, but state schools, have uh, opened up as well. There's been some concerns by the teachers' unions here, um, mainly because of the quality of the vaccinations that most people have got, as well as making sure that students are vaccinated fully. Um, the quality of the vaccines that we got may not be brilliant. All teachers were given a one-shot CanSino, um, or CanSino, I think it's called, a Chinese, Chinese um, uh, vaccine that's very similar to Johnson & Johnson. So it's kind of slow down things or well, it's not as effective as AstraZeneca or Pfizer or anything like that. We have AstraZeneca, we have Pfizer, we have Sputnik. My wife got vaccinated with Sputnik. Um, I got vaccinated with CanSino and then I managed to get another dose of AstraZeneca, which is quite good. And I'll be getting my second dose of AstraZeneca in, in January, which is awesome. So we've managed to have, uh, my wife's had the Russian vaccine. I've had the uh, Chinese vaccine. So we're very, very popular among the Eastern Bloc. For some reason, I just keep, you know, spouting off Chinese propaganda. I don't know if that's a side effect or something. But yeah, anyway, so that means that the schools have been open and 
things seem to be going okay. In our school, we had one suspected case out of a school of about 400 people. Um, we're tested regularly. I would say not as regularly as in the UK. Um, we're, taste we're tested like once a week if there is a suspected case uh, in the school. I got really panicky there because um, Tom Rogers just messaged in to say, can hear you, but my dyslexia kicked in and I thought it said, can't hear you because as you know i've had some audio issues in the past and way we can finally hear each other don't panic me sir <laughs> so we've managed to hear um so you can hear me okay and hopefully you can hear the lovely banging noise from my neighbors upstairs because it's mexico and noise rules don't apply anytime ever <laughs> uh so it reminds me of when i when i was living in germany uh the rules of living in Germany are absolutely ridiculous. You Everything's closed on Sundays because you need to rest. Uh, but So you can only do your shopping on Saturdays uh, if you work uh, because everything closes super early as well. If you need to go and buy anything, like any kind of pieces of furniture from Ikea or places like that, they're only open on Saturdays, which means that you have to go and buy the stuff on Saturday. But if you've had a long day by the time you get home, you can't make any noise because it's the evening. It's quiet time. You can't make any noise and disturb your neighbors. But you also can't make any noise on Sunday because you should all be resting. So it's like a Kafkaesque uh, dystopian nightmare in terms of noise. Everything else is fantastic about Germany. I love Germany and I would have stayed there a heck of a lot longer. I would have stayed there long enough to become a, a German citizen if they would have let me. But the noise laws did bug the hell out of me. Um, I got told off by my neighbors downstairs for walking too loudly, which... I didn't even know was a thing. <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, so we're talking today about how we can motivate students and how we can motivate ourselves in the last run-ups uh, to the Christmas vacation, or I should say the winter break. Uh, I'd love to hear from you how you're all doing. We've got here about a week and a half left to go. We've just finished the mock exams for years 12, oh, sorry, for years 13 and for years 11. We brought it back a little bit earlier this year. I think a lot of people did. We normally do them around about this time of year, late December or mid-December, I should say, um, or early January, but we brought it back a little bit earlier this year to late November because of the pandemic and having, as I may have mentioned here a couple of times, we had 18 months online learning and it was an absolute nightmare <laughs> so uh and to be expected we had some issues obviously with students having retained everything and learnt everything during online learning so we pulled it back a little bit earlier so we can pull in intervention but the uh, the downside of that is normally the mocks come just a few weeks before christmas and then you can sort of relax there's a big push in terms of marking and in terms of motivating the students um, and then you can sort of rest for the last week. But the problem is, is that last week was the first week back for years 11 and 13. And that means that we're all kind of in this mode of, oh, we're tired. Um, <laughs> oh, we're tired, but uh, let's do some fun stuff with the students kind of thing. That, that kind of wind down situation, basically. Um, but we've still got a week and a half to go. So we're kind of all exhausted and all over the place. But we're going to get there. So I'd love to hear from you. What kind of things are you doing with your students right now? Do you do things Christmas based? Do you do things holiday based or anything like that? Um, we'll be talking about that and pretty much anything you'd like to. I'm I always wonder, I always worry what I'm going to talk about when I do these shows. And then I start rambling incoherently about Chinese vaccines, which I just realized now summarizing that made me sound like a conspiracy theorist. I do promise I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I teach theory of knowledge. I actually make fun of those people and 
teach how to criticize those people in my lessons. Um, so apologies for that. But we seem to be getting uh, all over the place. I like. Thank you again. I love my ramblings. My ramblings are a mixture of Eddie Izzard and Billy Connolly, but maybe slightly more middle class than Billy Connolly and slightly more working class than Eddie Izzard. Um, I do seem to be running a lot more a similar number of marathons as Eddie Izzard. We just finished the Vera Cruz half marathon. Uh, well, not, no, not half marathon. I got so distracted there. Uh, a friend of mine from work and I drove to Veracruz, which is on the coast of Mexico City. And as I may have showed off a little bit last week, last week I was fresh from the Mexico City marathon last. So that was about nine days ago, 10 days ago. Uh, this Sunday gone, we just ran the Veracruz half marathon, which was absolutely amazing for its history. Um, it basically ran through the first city to be established by the Spanish in Mexico, Veracruz, literally means the true cross. So it's a very sort of religious, holy site amongst Catholics here in Mexico. Uh, but it's also the site where Hernan Cortes, uh, I'm going to say invaded. Yeah, invaded Mexico. I think that's a fair assumption. Uh, so yeah, where Cortes invaded Mexico, he didn't discover Mexico because it was already discovered by several hundred thousand Mexica, Maya, and other indigenous populations. Uh, so yeah, it was where Ver uh, it's where the uh, Spanish freeloaders showed up and sort of basically uh, decided to start their conquest and spreading smallpox of Mexico. You can tell I'm not biased at all. Um, but anyway, yeah, uh, it's amazing for history because there's lots of old uh, Spanish fortresses. It's also a naval base. Uh, it's a big port at the moment. So it's quite nice for, for me uh, because it reminds me of my hometown of Southampton. But it reminds me of my hometown of Southampton without the casual racism and uh, without the uh, uh, with the nice weather, which is really, really nice. So we ran basically around this whole port town. It was absolutely fantastic. I thought I'd have a massive advantage uh, because I live at 2,700 meters above sea level. Uh, but in fact, uh, and so I thought running at sea level would be a really easy thing to do. However, it turns out that Veracruz is very, very hot. And even though we set off at 5.30 in the morning, uh, it got up to around 28 degrees during the marathon with just nothing but blasting heat. So it was slightly painful. Um, it was pretty good, though, to be able to share that with the students afterwards, mainly to show off, uh, because most teachers like doing that to show off. It's like that old joke. How do you know, how do you know if a person runs marathons? Don't worry, they'll tell you. Oh, geez, I butchered that delivery anyway. But it was really good for motivation because basically trying to get a load of year 11s to walk to class while you outrun them uh, and then boast that you've run a marathon and there's no excuse for being behind Mr. Wrigley was a pretty good feeling. So, yeah, anyway, uh, you're listening to the rambling show on Teachers Talk Radio at the moment. I hope please do text in with anything that you're interested in uh, and anything that you'd like to talk about. We're talking about the Christmas break that's coming up. I'm sorry, I keep calling it the Christmas break as well. I'm trying to switch to the holiday break to be a bit more inclusive. Uh, I apologize for that. I have uh, co-workers who are not religious, obviously. I'm not religious either or are from different faiths. <laughs> um, and I always kind of end up rambling and saying, oh, happy Christmas or enjoy the Christmas break. And then I realized that that's not very inclusive. Uh, Tom Rogers has just texted in to say, I like your international uh, teaching chats. Well, please do ask me any questions about teaching abroad. I feel like that should just basically be the theme of the show. Um, my experience is basically Germany and Latin America. So organized and pure chaos. It's it's a broad spectrum. Um, best and worst countries to work in. Uh, 
so sorry uh tom just texted in to ask best and worst countries to work in uh to i would say to live and work in okay so well first off i've got i hate saying this this is why pe people always go oh you live there i didn't realize that because uh i'm sorry Seema, but england is not the uh worst country to live in uh it is, it is the worst country to live in uh i was miserable there <laughs> and also oh, anyway so i will briefly summarize my family story because i always have to do that so my mum was born in india she moved well after uh independence my family moved or my mum's side of the family moved from india because my family are anglo-indian uh google it uh, Cliff Richards is Anglo-Indian, so is Russell Peters, the comedian. That's basically who is Anglo-Indian. Also, oh, a famous singer. Oh, I can't remember. It, he's got like cat in his name or something. I can't remember. Anyway, uh, there's a few famous Anglo-Indians. And basically, they're mestizo is the best way I can describe it. And that's how I describe it to Mexicans. Mestizo means mixed race. So they're a mixture of Indian English, but also other Europeans. So there's like Portuguese and things like that. A lot of Anglo-Indians are Catholic, for example. So that's so a lot of my family are Catholic. And I just realized, or through Ancestry.com, I just found out that my grandfather's name uh, was originally a Portuguese name. Uh, his It was uh, Cesar Vaz, and he changed his name to Louis Rogers to Samuel English. Um, I don't know why he picked Louis to Samuel English, but, you know... <laughs> It sounded fancy enough. Anyway, when in when India was given independence, most Anglo-Indians had fancy middle-class jobs. So, for example, my grandfather worked on a railway station or managed a railway station. Um, during the partition, during the riots, he would have to, like, sneak home um, and would have to take off his crucifix because he was Catholic and he would have to take off his, uh, his, like, shirt to, like... So he was just, like, wearing his vest home to look like he was, like, a manual labourer. So he would, like, blend in and wouldn't be killed by either the... Uh, by either the Muslims or the Hindus. It was a uh, double trouble, basically. <laughs> um, so after independence, the Anglo-Indians were basically said, look, you're going to lose your cushy jobs, um, quite rightly as well, uh, and you're given a choice. Live in India and become Indian citizens, but you might lose some of the benefits that you've had during the, uh, during the empire. Um, or you can move to anywhere in the Commonwealth and become Commonwealth citizens. Uh, so some of my family members or distant family members moved to Canada, um, with its beautiful mountains and you know beautiful scenery, beautiful tolerant people, or to Australia, New Zealand, beautiful nature, beautiful weather, beautiful scenery. Uh, my grandfather chose Sheffield uh, because he was really excited by drizzle and casual racism. Um, so that's why my mum's side of the family moved uh, to the UK. Uh, my dad's side of the family have always lived in Sheffield. They, that's where my family met. And then we moved to the South Coast. I lived there for eight years, and this is now my story. So I lived in China for three years as a kid, uh, the States for a year as a kid. That's why I say things like public schools, and I mean it in the real sense of the word, as in open to the public, not excluding the public. Um, but also, uh, then I lived in Japan for a year in Tokyo. I went home. Oh, when, I hate that word, home. Uh, I went to the UK, uh, lived there. For when I was basically in my teenage years, lived there. Then after my A-levels, uh, before going to university, I lived and worked in Canada for a year and then went back to the UK, trained to be a, uh, trained to be a physicist, trained to be a teacher, worked in a school for two years in the UK. Uh, Michael Gove became education secretary 
And because of that coke-addled maniac, I decided to uh, leave the education sec uh, section in the UK and move to uh, Mexico, where I lived and worked for four years as a teacher. Uh, then uh, me, my wife, and one of our cats, Hobbs, uh, got on a plane and moved to uh, Brazil. We lived and worked in Sao Paulo for Sao Paulo, but I'll say it like the Brazilian Sao Paulo. Uh, for two years. Um, it was a nice school, very, very prestigious school, very, very good school, but just not for me. And Sao Paulo was a very, uh, it's a very harsh city to live in. Um, I'll talk about the pros and cons of each country in a second, but I would say it's a very difficult city to live in, um, even if you're used to big cities. So I've lived in Beijing, I've lived in Tokyo, I've lived outside of Washington, DC. Sao Paulo is difficult. I'll explain why it's not dangerous or anything. It's just difficult. Anyway, there was a... We're looking to move abroad. My wife said, anywhere as long as I don't have to learn a new language, because obviously my wife is fluent in Spanish, being Mexican, but also fluent in English. And she learned Portuguese while she was while we were working in Sao Paulo. So I went, sure, no problem. We'll live, we'll go anywhere where I can get a job that either speaks Spanish as a first language or English as a first language, but not the UK because I don't want to be <laughs> depressed, basically. Um, so we went, yeah, cool, that's fine. And then a job in Germany showed up and I was like, hey, honey, remember you said no learning new languages? Well, how do you find learning one of the most difficult European languages sound? And so we moved to Germany, uh, lived in Cologne for a couple of years and I would have stayed in Cologne. I think I would have still be there now. That, this was two years ago, but um, a friend of mine who worked with me in Mexico uh, was working at another school in Mexico City and said there's a position for a science teacher available and most like and they'll be advertising as well shortly for a head of science so it was a natural progression and i've now lived and worked in the school i work at in mexico city this is my third year here uh, back in mexico and my seventh year overall in mexico so in terms of working as a teacher i've lived in uh, i can give you advice on mexico brazil but also all of latin america in general and germany so I can go mainly mainland Europe as well. Although bear in mind, I moved there before, when, after the Brexit vote, but before Theresa May triggered, oh, I can't remember the name of the article, but before they went, oh yes, we're doing Brexit in two years, um, which went really well. So issues with visas and things like that weren't a problem for me. I was still a European citizen then, and my wife, who was not a European citizen, was entitled to a, I think it's a permanent visa, basically, um, or permanent work permit that would roll, will renew every two years, basically, um, with no questions asked. Basically, just show up and show up at the visa office, and they'll give you a visa, kind of thing. That's going to not be the case anymore. I don't know what what's happening now. I know a lot of my friends and colleagues in Germany have found dubious links to Irish ancestry. Um, one's become a German citizen. Um, which is hilarious because he's Glaswegian, so he speaks flu pretty much fluent German, better than my German, but with a heavy Scottish accent, and he loves insisting now that he's German, which is absolutely fantastic. You don't have to renounce your passport. Um, I don't think you have to yet. The new rules might be coming in. Um, so yeah, everyone's finding like tenuous Irish or European ancestry. I was desperate to try and find some Portuguese ancestry or some proof that I had. my grandparents were born in Goa, which gives you entitlement to a Portuguese passport. I was like, yes, yes, come on. I'll even support Portugal in football. Cristiano Ronaldo, all is forgiven for Euro, no, for the World Cup 2006, all of that. Anyway, in terms of the best countries to live in, 
Overall, my two most favorite countries to live in were China and Mexico. Obviously, Mex I'm biased because I have Mexican family, but I would say Mexico is absolutely fantastic. The worst countries to live in, I'm honestly going to say Brazil. Um, it might be different if you worked in uh, Rio de Janeiro or somewhere like that, but Sao Paulo is like a massive Milton Keynes with no... I'm so sorry, Brazilian friends. Um, with no culture. There is There are basically in a city the size of Mexico City, so we're talking like 15 million people. There are two museums. They're both terrible and you have to pay a lot of money to go there. There's nothing but shopping malls and people's idea of fun is people in Brazil go to Sao Paulo to work, basically. So people's idea of fun is go to work, work really long hours, as in like, for example, my school finished work at 3.30, but there was a culture of staying there until six or seven in the evening because no one had anything else to do. <laughs> it really sucked. Um, so like I would work and finish my work maybe stay a couple of minutes after the time that was expected to leave or that you were allowed to leave from and i would get funny looks and i was like <laughs> going home to my wife i'm not you know i've got a life <laughs> so it was a very much work then go to the bar and then oh no go to the gym then go to the bar that wasn't my life but that's very much sounds up sums up a sao paulo life and it's just uh it wasn't for me um if you like that sort of thing uh uh lots of fun uh, you lived in the Falkland Islands, Martin's just texting. I've seen jobs advertised there, and it looks really, really fun. Um, I've also, I'm going to take a picture of this and post it on my Twitter. My wife and I, when we were living in Sao Paulo, we did a road trip through Argentina, and I absolutely love Argentina. I don't think I could work there, um, mainly because of the instability in the economy. There are a lot of schools in Buenos Aires, the uh, English school, you know, English or British schools. Um, and I really love the Argentinian people, especially outside of uh, Buenos Aires. The people there are absolutely amazing, really, really lovely. Food is amazing as well. But the most hilarious thing is I have never seen a country with a bigger victim complex than Argentina. And I don't mean the people. I mean the government just trying to create a victim complex. So apologies, you know, my, my Argentinian friends. I'm not saying you have a victim complex, but my gosh. If you call the Falkland Islands the Falkland Islands in Argentina, you will be corrected and called, it's called Malvinas. Malvinas, in quotation marks, is on the currency. Ironically, it's on the least valued, valued note of the Argentinian peso. And ironically as well, the Argentinian peso keeps tanking in value. So I don't think that's the metaphor that you want to convey in terms of ownership of an island. But there's road signs as well. There's literally road signs that you'll walk past going, you know, it's Malvinas and things like that. And you're just there like, oh, my gosh. Like, And this is like people my age will still be very passionate about it. And I remember, you know, reading about the Falklands War or seeing, a, you know, documentaries about it or something like that as a as a kid and as a teenager. And, you know, I knew the story of what happened. But. You know, I never felt any sense of national pride in, you know, in, in it. I, I felt more a sense of, you know, it was an unnecessary war or anything like that. And I don't want to have any strong political opinions about it. But um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's bonkers. And I mean, it's not 
also as well it's it's kind of hypocritical because i mean the whole reason the war started as well was and i'm not a history expert here but basically it was to prop up or to give you know like a propaganda win for essentially a dictatorship um but also it's kind of hypocritical bearing in mind that argentina or spain at the time systematically wiped out all of its indigenous population there is no indigenous there is essentially zero indigenous population in argentina so it's a little hypocritical playing the victim when you're they're all a bunch of colonizers as well <laughs> so i'm gonna get so told off for that anyway um but yeah I, the falkland islands it sounds amazing mainly just for the nature and the wildlife and the scenery and everything like that so yes tom's just texted in as well and say yes you'll get battered i made that mistake a few times in spain oh don't worry the spanish offend everyone um the Sp i remember going to um i remember i remember going to uh uh oh, where was it malaga and there was a monument no in barcelona there was a monument to Christopher Columbus, Pinche, Pinche Bendejo. I can swear in Spanish, yeah? I know I can't swear, swear in English, but I can swear in Spanish. So anyway, Este Way, which means this dude, he gets a monument in, in Barcelona. And then we went on a walking tour of Malaga, my wife and I, and uh, two other Mexicans that who were living with us in Germany at the time. And we all uh, went to Malaga on a holiday. And the Spanish tour guide went, so who can tell me who discovered America? And another a Spanish person in the tour went, Christopher Columbus. And they went, yes, that's right. And you could just see the hate coming out of every Mexican there. Oh, it so bugs me so much. It's like, oh my gosh. And, it, and Britain is no, but we are no better. <laughs> anyway, this is becoming... Um, this is becoming very much the uh, very opinionated show about this, mainly about colonization and stuff. Um, so yeah, anyway, Argentina is absolutely fantastic. I would totally, I I loved my time there, but I wouldn't want to live there. But dri we drove basically from uh, Buenos Aires all the way to Bariloche. It's absolutely fantastic. If you ever get a chance to visit, it's absolutely hilarious. It's really, it's a really, really amazing. I don't know why I said the word hilarious. It's not hilarious. It's an absolutely beautiful, fantastic country. Just don't bring up Malvinas or Argentina. You just kind of look at it and go, oh my gosh, just relax about it. It's, oh my gosh. So anyway, but that sounds really interesting. How did you apply? So Martin, how did you apply to work in the Falkland Islands? Is it still linked to the British government or is it kind of... Um, um, is it kind of linked to the British government in any way, or is it more like applying for an international post or something like that? I'd love um, things like that. I love the Spanish too. Don't get me wrong. That was absolutely uh, Tom. I, if I would move back to the UK, move back to mainland Europe, I'd love to live and work in uh, Spain. The main issue is that if you want to work in Europe, the best place to earn money is Germany um, because you're you're paid a higher standard of living. Um, the downside is the cost of living is very very high. Um, uh, if you went to, for example, Spain, I did some, we were actually researching this. I had a few interviews for a job for jobs in schools in Spain and it looked very good. Um, the problem is, is that the salary you get is significantly lower. It's almost like I'd say nearly 50% lower than what I, I earned in, in Germany. And you still got to provide your own accommodation and the cost of accommodation was very similar to what I was paying in Europe. I'm sorry, very similar to what I was paying in Germany. So I think you're less financially better off. I would say Spain is an excellent starting point for young professionals who would like to move abroad and to become an international teacher and to spend two years there or maybe two, three years there 
learning your sort of, I hate this word, learning your craft and things like that, but then maybe moving on to a, a, a place that where you can be able to earn a little bit more. I'm not saying it's all about the money, but it's a nice, you know, obviously as you get older, you need to think about boring stuff like pensions and, you know, making sure you've got enough for when you retire and all of those kind of things. Uh, Martin just texted in to say, oh, it was an international post. Okay, cool. That's really interesting. Uh, three teachers I appointed in the Falklands now are here with you in the Channel Islands. Channel, well, I would love to work in the Channel Islands as well. Is that also an international post or is that um, some uh, an olden as well? I have friends who live in uh, Guernsey. Uh, I actually have a, a, my one of my former roommates from university married someone from Guernsey and uh, about 10 years ago, we all went to the wedding in Guernsey, which was really, really cool. And as a lifelong Saints fan, it was the coolest thing to hear was that the Letiziers may show up to the wedding because everyone knows each other on the island. So like Matt Letizia may just uh, ruck up basically. Oh, it's local. Oh, that's interesting. I'd love to join you there, but uh, Martin, but the main issue is um, I really like tacos. <laughs> so, And also I really, I think it would be nice. I think if I moved to the UK, it would be, well, yeah, that would be somewhere I'd like to move to. But I think uh, we have a, D in, a design and technology post. I've taught design and technology, but only because no one else will, basically. I have an A-level in it. Uh, it was my worst A-level, but I have an A-level in it. Um, and I've taught a I have an A-level in electronics as well. So uh, we've got a DT pilot. This has just become a, this basically become a free advertisement for Martin just going, oh, yeah. So on this show, uh, uh, it's not become the Late Late Show anymore. It's become the uh, recruitment show with Rich Wrigley. So yeah. Year one and two as well. I don't know anything about primary, to be honest. You wouldn't want me anywhere near a primary uh, classroom, to be honest. Um, yeah, I don't want to. Yeah, I would just do an absolutely abysmal job. Anyway, we're going to pause there briefly because it is time for the news. I look forward to listening. I haven't listened to it yet. I look forward to being depressed and then make uh, sarcastic comments about it in the meantime. So apologies for that. Uh, right, okay, let's uh, pause for the news. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. The Children's Commissioner, Dean Rachel D'Souza, has warned the Prime Minister not to close schools in response to the Omicron variant, despite cases in the UK reaching 160. Speaking on the Andrew Marr show, she said, Lockdown was a terrible time for the whole nation. It's also why I think we must not close schools again. We must not. I would urge the Prime Minister not to close schools. The children want things back to normal. They took a huge hit for us. We must not close schools again. And my head teacher colleagues across the country are incredibly good at managing this situation. I watched them rush to support the most vulnerable. And I would definitely advise not to do this if there is any other option. 280,000 children were recorded absent from school on November the 25th. 2.6% of all pupils in England. Wrexham Council have supported young leaders in a project called Healthy Minds Haven, 
which is designed to improve mental well-being in school communities. There will be an event on the 15th of December to which senior leadership teams will be invited when they will learn how their school can become a healthy minds haven. Interim Clinical Service Manager from North Wales CAMS, School Inreach Service, Sophie Gorst, will speak about why she is supporting the campaign aim to improve mental health support for young people in schools. This has been your daily education news briefing. And you, we are back with the Late Late Show with me, Rich Wrigley. Nothing for me to be sarcastic about too much about the news, so that's good. Not good for me because I like being sarcastic about it, but I'm very glad that my friends and colleagues in the UK are get, getting through an incredibly difficult time. So we've been talking about international stuff, <laughs> teaching abroad, what my favourite places were. So I said that the hardest place to live in for me was Sao Paulo. Uh, I would say the best place for me to live in i've loved both things about mexico and germany uh if you can get a job in germany i highly recommend it um the hardest thing i would say is that not as many people in germany speak english as you would imagine so learning german really really does help um but for me and my dyslexic brain i find learning german to be incredibly difficult my pronunciation's good but the grammar rules and everything were just very very difficult for me and also, I was trying to learn and practice Spanish at the same time as well, which kind of made um, or improved my Spanish, which made things even trickier for me. Um, but yeah, the other thing I found very difficult about living in Germany was it's very regulated, but in weird ways. And so it's there's and there's a lot of like things that are actually quite old fashioned that you would be very surprised about. Um, so cash is king in Germany, for example. People don't like um, paying with card. I remember a friend a friend moved a couple of years before me to Germany and they went to Ikea and bought a load of furniture for their flat and they presented their credit card at the till and they went, no, cash only in, in Ikea. Um, so that, that that's slowly changing, but there's still a lot of that. So for example, banking's very old fashioned. It's very pain, you know, it's very slow, very tedious. It's not as good. Online banking and online things like that, I'm, not as good as in the UK, um, or even as good as in Mexico, to be honest. Well, online banking here has improved dramatically in the 10 years I've lived here on and off. Um, but also things like uh, internet connections and things like that. I remember having to wait uh, six weeks to get my internet connected when we moved uh, into our apartment. And that's normal. Um, it's not like, a, oh, we just were very unlucky and had bad service. You, Yeah, you expect a month would be considered quick to get set up with internet. So things are not as efficient as you would imagine. It's like this kind of myth almost that things are efficient and work really well. But the flip side of that is that, you know, uh, the, the cost of living and the, what's the way, the work-life balance were excellent. Uh, healthcare was really, really good. Health, you know, you have to have insurance as a legal requirement instead of the NHS and you pay into it. Uh, but for example, when I arrived, my my wife wasn't working and she was covered by my health insurance and things like that. So it's really, really good in that respect. The quality of care is good, um, but it can be a bit old fashioned in some ways. I really, really love living in Mexico, but I think 
you have to have a certain mindset to live in Mexico, and that's something that some people struggle with a little bit. Uh, it's you need to be someone who's kind of flexible and can kind of roll with the punches. Uh, and as you can see, I am, or as you can hear from my cat trying to join the call, uh, I am someone who's very flexible and very very chilled out. Um, I will keep talking even as he tries to bombard and barrage his way through the door right now. I don't know if you can hear him or not, but he is scratching away at the door there. Um, so yeah, it's not, I would say if you're someone who likes everything by the book, everything perfect all the time, and people to show up on time, maybe Mexico is not for you. But if you're someone who doesn't mind a smidge of chaos, then yeah. Mexico is a great, great place to live. The downside to it is, and I said this last week, Latin America doesn't pay as much as other places. If you want to go into international teaching to make money, the best thing to do is either to go to China, Southeast Asia, I believe, but I'm not 100% sure, or the Middle East, and you'll just make a shed load of money.、Um, in Europe, you'll have a, it's you'll basically be on a similar kind of、uh, salary and expenditure to living in the UK. Um, because you also have to provide your own accommodation and things like that. Here in Latin America, you're not paid as much, but you are provided with your own accommodation and things like that, and it does make life a little bit easier.、Um, so yeah, you're able to. I would say, compared to when I was living and working in the UK, I'm definitely able to afford a better quality of life.、Uh, the downside here is that we have, for example, an equivalent of the NHS called the IMSS or the IMS.、Uh, But it's very disorganized. It's very chaotic.、Uh, you're registered with it,、um, but it's very, very tricky and it's very, very slow. So it's kind of almost like a last resort. So if you have any complaints medically, you can go private.、Um, you don't have private insurance, although I do have private insurance. But sometimes it's not cover. It doesn't cover everything.、Um, so sometimes you just pay like a fee upfront if you need a consultation.、Um, that can be around twenty pounds. Like so, it's not expensive, but it's just one thing to think about, basically.、Um, so it can be a little bit、uh, stressful in terms of things like that, and in terms of putting in money for pensions and things like that.、Uh, but it's kind of, I would say, the pros far outweigh the cons. But it's you definitely have to think: Am I someone who can be flexible? Am I someone who can be laid back at times and sort of focus on things like that? So I would say, yeah, my two favorite places to live as te- as a teacher were Mexico and. And Germany. Anyway, you're listening to the Late Late Show with me, Rich Wrigley. I was going to talk about ending the、uh, year and what you all are doing for finishing the year before、uh, Christmas kicks in, or sorry, before the holidays kick in. How long have you got left in the UK? How long have you got left、uh, anywhere else abroad?、Uh, please do message in with your comments, with your questions. I really, really helps me out, and I really, really enjoy hearing your comments.、Uh, we've got another twenty minutes on the show left, and we need to pause very briefly for a very, very quick. Commercial break. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DfE-validated programs to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well quickly using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use, and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com/phonics.
live from Mexico City. This is the Late Late Whoops, sorry folks, I was like, I'm doing so well with my jump cuts and everything like that, and then it rolled into that. I'm so sorry, I was just checking something on Twitter, I was doing some retweets. Please do follow us on Teachers Talk Radio, uh, and tweet in with the hashtag TT Radio. Yeah, sorry about that, I was too busy checking some things here and there, and I just kind of jumped into it. There's always an alter role on this, but I wish there was, I wish Podbean had a... It was nearly a perfect 10. It was, yes, Tom messaging to say it was nearly a perfect 10. I've done everything perfectly. My transitions were brilliant. I nearly, I've been muting my mic as well because I'm listening uh, through my speakers so I can make sure the audio is okay. Uh, but yeah, mucked it up at the end. I thought there were more ads. I'm sorry, I thought there were more ads because we're just that popular. That's why. So I just assumed, ah, oh, yeah, I've got about three minutes because we've got way more ads right now. Uh, so... Uh, <laughs> So anyway, uh, I'm killing. Well, I'm killing something. Uh, I don't know if I'm killing the show, but I'm definitely killing something. Uh, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But anyway, you're listening to uh, the Late Late Show with me, Richardly. I forgot what we were talking about. I'm that kind of person that can talk about anything and then nothing at the same time. Uh, you can imagine that my students are absolutely brilliant at entering what we like to call the tangent zone, which is basically Mr. Wrigley talking about random stuff for five minutes before realizing, oh, shoot, we were supposed to be doing a lot of uh, uh, recall questions here. However, we ended up talking about baseball or <laughs> base how baseball is linked to projectile motion or how Hawkeye from the Avengers is a good meta is a good way of explaining projectile motion or something like that. I mean, to be honest, I taught a lesson about the flying spaghetti monster today. There was a legit reason for it. Uh, and ironically, the flying spaghetti monster was invented uh, as a way to kind of protest creationism being taught in schools and saying, well, you should also teach this as well in American schools. And I was teaching it in my class today. Uh, now, don't worry, I haven't lost track of my senses or anything like that. Um, the reason was is I teach theory of knowledge. Uh, if you want to go back to one of my earlier shows, I can't remember the date of it, but I interviewed uh, some several TOK teachers and sort of explained what TOK is. And we had David Fairweather on, who's done some great talks with chat physics, uh, but also is a head of theory of knowledge, like I used to be in an international school, and explains what theory of knowledge is in terms of the IB in terms of the IB diploma program. Uh, so yeah, I was teaching about this because we were talking about knowledge and religion and how we can get knowledge from religion, but also what makes a religion religion, what makes a belief a belief. Uh, so yeah, we were covering that in theory of knowledge. I never thought when I was 17 years old that I would be talking about religion on a radio show in my, uh, in my spare room in Mexico City. Um, so yeah, you never know where the world will take you. Anyway, so we've been talking about International Post. People have been asking me what their favorite places to live in, what their least favorite places to live in. As a kid, I would say my least favorite places to live in was um, the USA. Sorry to my American friends. I still love lots of things about America and I could happily live there again. It was just when I was living there, it wasn't for me. And um, I did also live in Virginia, which is home to the capital of the old Confederacy. So you can tell that I probably didn't like it. Anyway. I am afraid we're going to have to take a quick pause because it is a cat situation. Um, it wouldn't be the Late Late Show with Rich Wrigley if a cat didn't try and bust in at some point. Um, it was 10 out of 10. I was killing it, and then we jinxed it with the with the transition there with a schoolboy error, and the cat seems to be coming in now. So let's let the chungus in. 
There's some excellent foley work going on there. I hope you could hear the door squeaking as we entered it. And we are joined now by Hobbs, the Chungus, as we call him, because he's a big lad, weighing in at seven and a half kilos. Most of that fat, the rest of it fur. Anyway, so we're here on the Late Late Show with me, Rich Wrigley. We've been talking for briefly about teaching abroad. I'd love to hear your questions about teaching abroad or if you have any questions have you taught abroad before we've had people teaching in the Falkland Islands which sounds absolutely amazing we've had people teaching I believe in Spain or just has an affinity for Spain which has been fantastic as well um, are you planning in the future to move abroad what concerns do you have about moving abroad but also please just ask me anything as well I'm a science teacher by trade I also teach theory of knowledge um, so, and I'm also a head of department, so please ask me anything about either being a head of faculty or a head of department, being a science teacher, primarily a physics teacher as well, but also teaching abroad and teaching internationally. Okay. Hobbs, what are you doing, bud? So, I think we need, can we do webcams? I think that would be a really good idea, kind of like the Howard Stern show, which shows you how old I am, where they had like webcams and filming things. We could do that, but we could just get Hobbs to... Like we could have a Hobbs cam or something. Anyway, he is currently attacking my rug that is under my desk because he is just that kind of dude. Yep, don't worry, everything's fine. <laughs> so he is... Oh, dude, can you chill out for a second? Hobbs, say hi to everyone. Anyway, so that concludes the Hobbs portion of the show. We, I've got about few more minutes left on the show if people would like to message in with anything or any questions or anything they have and we'll sort of just no hubs don't destroy things oh everything's going wrong so it was a perfect ten, and then hub started destroying things sorry about that so anyway you're listening to the late late show with me rich wrigley um, I think we're going to wrap it up there, mainly because I've run out of things to talk about. <laughs> and I don't want to leave it with just 15 minutes of me rambling and wasting your time. Uh, please join me again next week. It's, next week is my last week of term. I would love to have some ideas about things to talk about. I really want to make it interesting for people who are listening. Um, well, obviously, that's the whole point of a radio show. Um, but if you can message in with ideas i would love to hear it okay anyway you've been listening to the late late show with me rich wrigley have a lovely evening for everyone in mexico uh, everyone else have a lovely day this is teachers talk radio and you are listening live This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio.